Welcome into a game day edition of the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek. Not often we get to talk to you on an actual game day as the podcast is Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. But today is the day. Monday Night Football is the Saints host the Dolphins 715 on ESPN and here in the Caesar Superdome. The Saints are wearing all black. So if you are coming, we are doing a blackout as well. All the fans, everybody in attendance. So that includes John and myself. John, thanks for joining me today. We have a long day ahead of us and we're starting here breaking down this matchup. We know that there has been a lot of news out of the Saints over the past several days. We do get head coach Sean Payton back. However, we're going to be without several players due to COVID-19 protocols. Who stands out to you on that list that we will be without tonight? I mean, your, your main guys are, you know, first and second string quarterbacks, Taysom Hill and Travis. <laughs> and then you go to uh, your defensive quarterbacks, uh, linebacker Demario Davis and safety Malcolm Jenkins, your two veterans, uh, two guys have, who have played. I think um, Demario played 158 straight games, and I think Malcolm did 133. So you lose a ton of experience on defense and guys who, you know, not to say that the other veterans don't know, but, you know, they've seen and done things that just, you know, you can't replace. Uh, because they they're so experienced and then on the offense uh, the Saints finally had kind of gotten the quarterback situation settled with Taysom Hill and now suddenly are you going to be starting a rookie who has never played an NFL game in, in Ian Book so you know it's just been one thing after another with this thing but you know to lose both quarterbacks and both of your your you know two of your top defensive players within a span of a couple of days uh, and not to mention all the peripheral guys you lose because JT Gray, I forget him, the safety mm-hmm. who's a pro special team. He's not going to be playing, um, you know, so it, it just seems to be one thing after another. And, you know, they're all, you know, you know, always hear about your next man up. And, I, you know, my reply to that is always, well, there's a reason he's the next man. He's not quite as good as the guy who he's replacing, but the Saints are going to have to make do with it one way or the other. So they're going to need a little Superdome magic. They're going to need some great, play or if not great play certainly solid play they cannot afford to beat themselves because they're just so limited i think there are 21 players on the COVID list for the saints and that's whoo that's a ton that's a that's a ton yeah it's a it's a lot of people and as you mentioned a lot of key people and then their backups so we're, we're really digging deep here there's going to be a number of players activated from the practice squad maybe others brought in to make this game happen tonight it's going to be a limited bunch. And then you talked about needing to make sure that they execute, don't shoot themselves in the foot here with Ian book. He hasn't had a lot of opportunity to go through reps with I would say the first team, but any team really, because this is going to be his first time playing in a game this season in your experience and talking to him, what you saw of him preseason and camp, what stood out to you and how do you think he's going to handle this moment? He doesn't like he doesn't like lack confidence. I mean, he played at yeah. a big time game, and uh, and so you 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 hope that translates over to his teammates. Um, you know, they're going to be fully supportive, of course. But he hadn't played since the first preseason game um, forever ago. Uh, he first he just got his first reps with the first team last week. And oh, by the way, because of COVID, they had had to, had to do some things virtually. You know, they weren't able to be on the field as much as you would normally be on the field. So. Uh, it, it's going to be really one of those where if the Saints are able to pull this off, a lot of it's going to have to do with game plan and how they 
structure the offense around him and, and play their strengths. And a lot of this is going to have to do with uh, Alvin Kamara, uh, the running back, because Alvin Kamara is just about last man standing on the offense, and he's your best offensive player. So, you know, he's going to draw a lot of attention, and hopefully, you know, when he draws that attention, Ian Book is able to take advantage of it. It's definitely going to be interesting to see how things unfold tonight. Both of these teams coming in seven and seven, both of these teams still alive in the playoff race and really needing this win tonight. We're going to bring in Dolphins reporter who does the ESPN NFL Nations reporting for the Dolphins in Marcel Louis Jocks. He's covered Miami all year. Going to give us a, a good breakdown on what we can expect from that team heading into tonight's game. Marcel, thank you so much for joining us on the New Orleans Saints podcast today. We are game day ready for a big primetime matchup on ESPN. Your company that you work for. So perfect to have you here on the podcast today. Thanks so much for joining us. Of course. Thanks for having me. Now you flew into New Orleans Sunday night and you were at that point winning your fantasy football matchup that you were in there, right? So how did it all turn out when you landed? Oh man, this was uh I'm on a heck of a run here with these spot starts. You know, grab Chase Edmonds in there, put Alan Lazard in there, Amon Ross St. Brown the past couple of weeks. I mean, I'm determined. So we're back in the we are back in the finals for the second year in a row, hoping to actually bring it home this time around. But you know, fantasy football, you know, a 70 point lead is just never safe. So uh, he had CeeDee Lamb going. I think he had Chase Claypool going and uh and and I think Clyde Edwards Elaire. So I was like, man, if those guys all put up 30 points, I'm done. Like, I'm just thinking of every bad scenario possible. But uh, I appreciate the concern. You know, yeah. Everybody wants to say, oh, no one cares about your fantasy team. I, I care about your fantasy team. And thank you for caring about mine. <laughs> well, you're going to get a lot of people reaching out then, I'm sure. Um, so we're putting that out there for you. But we appreciate the update. And, you know, it's dicey right now for a lot of people, especially – uh, the Saints, you know, with COVID protocols and everybody that is unable to play tonight. In talking to the Dolphins over the past few days, as that news was continually coming out, what was the reaction from the team and maybe the adjustments that they might be making heading into this game? Yeah, well, I mean, specifically when the news of Ian Book getting his first start uh, began to come out, they were complimentary of Book. They, they liked him during the Senior Bowl, the Dolphins staff specifically. They like his mobility. They like his arm strength. And the baseline was that if you're in the NFL, then you can play football. So they can't afford to take to underestimate him or, or take him lightly. I mean, there was no real film on Mac Jones in week one and Mac Jones sort of picked them apart. So, uh, you know, they, they won. They got out of there by the skin of their teeth. But, you know, this isn't a situation they can afford to take lightly, especially coming into New Orleans, playing in the Superdome. That is always an equalizer, no matter who you are, no matter who is playing. So, you know, they're taking this game very seriously. They know what's at stake. Miami has to win out here if they want a chance at making the playoffs and becoming the first team in NFL history to come from six games under 500 and actually make the playoffs. It is weird just saying it out loud, but that is what is at stake right now. You're talking about the turnaround here. It's the one and seven start, and then you go and you win six straight. What has been the biggest difference over the last six? I mean, you know, to play devil's advocate, and there's going to be some Dolphins fans that roll their eyes at this, but the, the biggest factor is their opponents. This was an advantageous part of the schedule. They had a very hard, very difficult 
start to the season. They had to play the Bills twice. They had to play the Colts. They had to play the Raiders. They had to play the Buccaneers. Like it wasn't, it wasn't easy. This stretch of the season, I mean, as I'm speaking to you here from New Orleans, this is the first time that they've left Miami for the past month or so. I mean, I mean, they got the Giants, they got the Panthers, they got the Jets, the Texans. Uh, they took advantage of that. And granted, this is the NFL. As we've seen the past couple of weeks, anybody can be anybody on any given Sunday. So you still have to go out there and play your game. And, and, and that's where I think we've seen their defensive revival coming in. They're number two in the league in defensive expected points added since week nine. They're right up there in or top three in scoring defense and yards allowed and takeaways. They are becoming the sort of defense that we expected them to be from the beginning of the season. But I mean, they have definitely did so against some less than stellar opponents. I think these next three games against New Orleans, against Tennessee and against New England, they're going to be a far more determining factor of where this team actually is. Because, I mean, don't get me wrong, they beat the mess out of bad teams, which, I mean, you got to give credit where credit is due. Six wins in a row is six wins in a row. But, you know, I think that you know, Dolphins fans, if they look real deep down, they'd feel a little bit better about these wins if it came against a legitimate opponent in a legitimate circumstance, like beating the Saints shorthanded or not in New Orleans I, I, on Monday Night Football. I think that would still be critical. Marcel, we, we saw the Saints lose five in a row. So, you know, Dolphins fans, take those dubs, take those dubs where you can get them. <laughs> look, give horses exactly. in the mouth. <laughs> but you mentioned Ian Book, a rookie quarterback. Is there an anticipation that Miami might basically heat him up? I mean, you know, you don't know how much experience he has. And I know Miami has been a team that has applied pressure. Oh, yeah. Uh, If I'm Ian Book, you know, I'm expecting the house every single play here. That is, I mean, you know, I talked about the, the level of opponents that they've played over the past month. They've also really turned up the defensive intensity. They are blitzing starting with that that game against the Ravens and making Lamar Jackson uncomfortable they're going to put a lot of people at the line of scrimmage they're going to stack that line of scrimmage with defensive backs they're going to disguise their covers disguise their blitzes I mean it's it's not going to be easy for Ian Book here and I, I think that you know he if he does find success it will be a credit to his preparation and his calmness because he's going to have to make rapid decisions and rapid reads if he wants to move the ball against this defense or just give the ball to Alvin Kamara and let him do all of that. But, you know, either way, yes, they're going to bring pressure. They're going to blitz. They're going to harass him um, over the past several weeks. Jalen Phillips, if it, if it wasn't for Micah Parsons being Micah Parsons, we would be talking about Jalen Phillips as the defensive rookie of the year. He leads the NFL or at one point led the NFL in sacks since week nine during this win streak. So uh, I would expect a heavy dose of him, heavy dose of uh, of Emmanuel Agba. Javon Holland is back, meaning they can use safety Brandon Jones as more of a box safety. They'll use him to blitz as well. I mean, it's just going to be constant, constant pressure on the rookie uh, tonight. So uh, like I said, and uh, for his sake, I, I hope he's ready because if not, it, it could be a long night for him. Yeah, we figure the Saints are probably going to turn to the run game a little bit more just because you have that rookie, that inexperience. Oh, what have you seen from Miami's offense? Um, and not necessarily Tua, but but you know, Jalen Wilder was a kid I loved at Alabama, and then you know he had the injury, of course, but now he looks kind of back to himself at receiver. Oh yeah, you know, I think he he might be the most valuable player on this offense. Everybody wants to say quarterback. And obviously, yeah, if your quarterback 
doesn't play, your offense is going to change. But we saw just how much this offense changes without Waddle last week when he was on the COVID list. Dolphins wide receivers created 2.2 yards of separation per you know, per route run. And that was the lowest of Tua Tungo Valoa's career. He's used to Jalen Waddle leaving people in the <laughs> dust if they try to play man on him. So without him, they don't really have that man breaker. They're going to try to, they'd have to force a ball into Devontae Parker and hope that, you know, he can come down with the 50-50 ball. And, uh, you know, with Devontae Parker, it's more like 70-30. But either way, that's not really a efficient way to play football so waddle is the kind of guy especially when they're struggling in the run game like they have been all season he's the kind of guy who can get open right away off the line of scrimmage he can get open during that rpo or play action window and he can get you you know four or five yards minimum in place of just a simple handoff so you know it without him there it was kind of you know thankfully they played the jets but it, it was kind of surprising to see the run game work as well as it did because they didn't have essentially they're running back at wide receiver. So I, I think Jalen Waddle is really the engine that makes this offense go. But uh, I mentioned the RPO and I mentioned the play action, the dolphins run play action at the third highest rate in the NFL right now. And what that does is it, it freezes a linebacker, it freezes a safety and it gives to a, that brief window to make a sharp, to make a fast decision and a quick read and hit a guy like, Jalen Waddle or maybe a Mike Isecki in the flat or Durant Smythe in the flat. And, uh, you know, it, it's allowing him to complete a high percentage of these passes with a relatively low air yards per target. So uh, I would expect to see more of the same against an also aggressive Saints defense. Well, I'll tell you what, Marcel, because of COVID, I might be playing linebacker for the Saints tonight. So <laughs> yeah, the play action will get me. I can tell you that. Um, <laughs> Brian Flores, how did he hold it, this team together? And, you know, Sean Payton went through, you know, five-game losing streak this season, but they were five and two when it started. And he's been a coach that's been around since 2006. He's had a lot of success. He had some skins on the wall that he could lean on. How did Brian Flores hold that team together? Oh, I mean, Brian Flores is a very straight-up person with his team. I think he's very blunt. I think he's very realistic. Um, and, and if I were to take a guess, I would say he, he probably pointed at last year's team as well where they finished 10 and 6 but I believe they started 1 and 5 so like they have the ability to come back they have the ability to to finish a season strong you know just because your record is bad in week 8 doesn't mean it has to finish that way but I think it very much speaks to the level of confidence and level of faith that the Dolphins players have in Brian Flores to be able to pull off a run like this after being in a hole like that I mean 1 and 7 we're talking about draft picks we're talking about offseason plans you know we're definitely not talking about playoffs you know Jim Morris somewhere in the background we're definitely not talking about <laughs> playoffs man we're talking about do these should these guys get that another chance should Flores and Greer get another chance next year they're, they're the most disappointing team in the NFL uh but really it was uh man and and I'm, I'm they'll never admit this so this is just a harebrained theory but this turnaround happened as soon as the trade deadline stopped and there were no more questions about Deshaun Watson, there were no more questions about is two of the guy. There were no more questions about, you know, this guy being shipped off or fire sale here, or X, Y, Z. There was none of that anymore. There was this, and you definitely saw it in Tua when he stepped to the podium. I actually wrote about it today, but, uh, you definitely saw the difference in him, like where instead of just gripping that left turn every time he steps to it, 
it's relaxed. It's calm. He's got a smile on his face. He's telling jokes. He danced. Shoot, man. Like there's he, Christian Wilkins is shooting spitballs at him. Like it, it is a completely different team. And it, he, you're kind of inclined to say, hey, you know, maybe these guys are human after all. Go figure. Right. Like the, the threat of not being shipped off to a new city or the threat of not having a controversial player coming in. You know, maybe that is sort of relaxing after all. Speaking of Tua, tell us about his development or his growth because you know a lot of times kids get drafted and everyone wants to see success or immediate results and and no one wants to really give people time to develop and grow into especially a quarterback to grow mm-hmm. into the role and everything that it takes you know how has he grown and developed? Yeah, I think that this year the Dolphins have done a little bit more to make him comfortable and they're running that again we're gonna mention again they're running that rpo offense that he used to run at alabama the difference is they they don't really have the strong running game behind them as well and that's where if a defense i think is going to take advantage of miami's offense they are gonna have to turn them into a pass happy team because right now at this current stage you know i'm not saying he'll never get there but at this current stage we haven't seen to a carry the load in a win. You know, we, we saw him throw for, he had the best two game stretch of his career against Jacksonville and Atlanta earlier this year. Both of those were losses. So, you know, we haven't seen him really shoulder the load in a, in a winning effort, but uh, you know, I, I think that he, he's developing, he, he's letting his reads develop. He, he's reading them and processing defenses quickly. Uh, he is a, a leader. If you watch him, and, you know, in the huddle, you watch him on the sideline, you know, he is constantly communicating with his receivers, with his O-line, with his tight ends. And that's not really something that he was doing as a rookie. I think that and he even admitted himself that he didn't really know the playbook as well as he should have last year. But, uh, you know, they brought in Charlie Fry, who was to his quarterback, coach, personal quarterback coach. They brought him along as the team's QB coach this year. They drafted Jalen Waddle, his, his you know target from Alabama. Like they are continuing to put pieces around him. And I think that really this offseason is the big one for them. Uh, you know, I, I, obviously he has done enough to earn another year. It's not like they're going to move on from him unless like Russell Wilson is available and says he wants to come to Miami or Aaron Rodgers wants to come to Miami. Then, OK, like let's not get crazy. But beyond that, it, it's going to be another year of Tua, so they have to put as many pieces around him as possible. you got to get him another wide receiver who can separate. You've got to get him a running game. You've got to fix that offensive line because dead last in pass block win rate. They've been good over the past couple weeks, but still dead last, man. The man's fighting for his life out there. And, you know, he's managing to get away. He's managing to escape pressure. But you don't want to play that game with a QB who, who is injury Injury prone. I think it's fair to call him that at this point. You know, two straight years, he has missed multiple games for whatever injuries, as fluky as they may be. Eventually, man, it starts to pile up. So, you know, I think there's a lot to move forward from, but there's also a lot to build off of. I think he's been highly efficient, leads the NFL in completion percentage right now. He's not pushing the ball way downfield, but they're also not asking to, and that's just not his game. Uh, Matter of fact, Analyst, ESPN analyst I spoke with, Matt Bowen, said the idea playing style for Tua is Drew Brees. Be, try to be, you don't have to be Drew Brees, but try your best to play in that style. And yeah. I think that is his ideal outcome for his career. 
Have you talked to him about how he's felt over this season, how more, if he's more comfortable or maybe what his goals are kind of the next few games and then next season? Uh, I mean, if you ask Tua what his goals are, what, what he wants, he's always going to say, you know, I just want to win. I just want to keep building with my team. He's, he's that kind of, mm-hmm. you know, he'll coach speak you a little bit, but you got to watch the, you got to watch for the body language. Like I was saying before, you know, before he gets to the podium, it's, it's rigid. It is, he's just gripping the sides of the, of the podium or, or the lectern. I'm sorry. I got in a whole Twitter argument with lectern <laughs> versus podium earlier. This year, so let me get it right. People know what we're talking about, right? You say, oh, they're at the podium. You know that they're at the mic. They're ready for post game. Like, (laughs) right. Like that's important, right? Like if you know what we're talking about, what is the, but either way. So like he's gripping the thing and uh, you know, it's, it's shaky. It's nervous. You can just see it. And it was like night and day. As soon as that, as soon as that trade deadline passed, I think the very first time we talked to him after the trade deadline passed, he did a touch. He did his touchdown dance for us, like his little sneeze dance. Like it was, uh, yeah. it, it was, uh, it, it was night and day. I know I've said it a couple times, but I, it, it was that evident that he's just a different kind of person now, and, and he's more, you know. And again, it's the human element, like I mentioned, where yeah. you know that like there's no chopping block over your head yeah. if you don't perform right now. Like you are their option. They said that you're their quarterback, and they meant it. So I, I think he's starting to kind of play free. He's playing comfortable. He's playing within himself. Uh, you know, if he does throw an interception tonight, you know, which, you know, he's thrown a couple over the past month. It, it doesn't happen often. But if he does throw an interception tonight, pay attention to how he responds. And it, it is it's something that's always impressed me about Tua is that he not only has faith in himself to bounce back from it, but it's almost like he has the confidence that his team expects him to bounce back, like that his team is going to afford him that opportunity to bounce back from it. And he'll oftentimes he won't miss a throw on the next drive, but they're almost guaranteed to score. This That's just the kind of, you know, that's just kind of how he's been wired for the past couple months. But, uh, you know, he is a, uh, he's a good kid. He is a, he's a likable person. And I, I think that given a couple more weapons and, a lot more protection, uh, I think he can be a good NFL starter. Yeah, no offense to the Dolphins or Tua, but I think people here are going to be paying more attention to Ian Book and how he reacts to stuff on the field tonight (laughs) if we're looking at a quarterback. (laughs) Monday Night Football, the Dolphins have played in that game more than any other team in the NFL. However, it's been a while. Kind of stepping onto this stage tonight with the implications for the playoffs and, and what's at stake, you know, how does the team handle that moment? I mean, it, it's been kind of a crazy run here, as you said, with the opponents and the win streak. But how do you maybe not overlook this opponent considering what the Saints have been dealing with and then be able to handle the stage? Oh, no, they're, I think that they're ready. The only other national game that they've had this year was that Thursday night football against the Baltimore Ravens. And it was arguably their most impressive showing. Defense, it was their most impressive showing to, to date. I, I think they've since topped it, but uh, it was a good response to a primetime matchup. Uh, like that's, it's been the talk all week that you, you don't underestimate the Saints in New Orleans. And especially from what we saw last week, no matter who was or wasn't playing, when they go and they skunk the, you know, they, they skunk the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, like, that takes a, a special kind of team. That, that Buccaneers team, ran 
rip it through Miami's defense earlier in the year. That was arguably the worst game that they've played defensively all season. So, you know, there's a bit of respect there in terms of what they've been able to do to a common opponent. But uh, and, and there's a lot of respect for Sean Payton from from Brian Flores, a lot of respect for Sean Payton, who he believes is going to have Ian Book in position to succeed tonight. So, no, they're not they're not going to underestimate them. Uh, you know, the, the skeptical Dolphins fan will tell you, OK, you know, playoff spot on the line, national TV moment. This is where we typically falter. But, you know, we can't judge this current team for the sins of their predecessors. And I think that based on the way this defense has played over the past month, it's something special. Uh, I mean, if, if new England wasn't playing at the ridiculous level that it's been playing, we would be talking about the dolphins as the best defense in the NFL right now. Um, It's, it's kind of weird that they've been able to do this. They are greater than the sum of their parts right now. You know, one pro bowler, uh, I think no alternates there on defense. So it's not like they're star studded. Uh, but they are, they work very well together. There's quality depth there. So there's constant rotation at basically every level. And, uh, you know, if sort of them just waking up on the wrong side of the bed today, I don't see that changing tonight. I think this is another really blow up spot for this defense. We're definitely looking forward to the matchup. Excited to have you in town, the Dolphins here for a big primetime game. I know you came from Buffalo. That's where you've been covering. So what's the upgrade to Miami like? I mean, weather-wise, it's definitely an upgrade. You know, weather-wise, it's been, it's been an experience. I, uh, you know, I, I have a hammock, uh, courtesy of my girlfriend, gave me a hammock for Christmas. <laughs> so, you know, I just spent that, you know, laid kickback. It's about 75 degrees, nice little cool breeze. I haven't worn a T-shirt in December in maybe three years. So that's been, that's been different. Um, uh, matter of fact, last Christmas in Buffalo, I stepped outside into a pile of snow that reached my knee and I'm about six, one, six, two. So that's a, that's, that's way up there. But uh, I, I loved Buffalo and it was, um, it's a great city. It, it's one that I think you have to experience, uh, to really understand it and really get it. But, uh, wonderful people up there, very proud people. You know, I've never met a, I've never met people as proud of their city as Buffalo is if you I'm sure like if I had said something negative about them in here they would have found it and they would have attacked man it was uh they do not play about their city I and I can appreciate that but uh you know I, I thought that moving to Miami you know best for my career and um you know best for my dog he hated the cold and uh, as cool I got him a little jacket he had a little camo jacket you know he was flying everything but he hated the cold so he's loving it man just seeing him hang out on the balcony and, you know, bathe in the sun. It made the entire move worth it be like that alone. So it's been, it's been fun, man. And now the football is good. So uh, it's been fun to go to work now as well. You know, you're not kind of like, like, Oh boy, what are we going to see today anymore on Sunday? It's like, Oh man, what are we about to see today? You know, it's very exciting to come in and, and see what they've been able to do on the field. Yeah, I second you as far as Buffalo goes, been able to go to a few games up there and and get to know that fan base a little bit. And and they're unreal. Definitely some huge, true football fans up there. And it's always a good time. I appreciate you being on the podcast today. Thanks for really breaking down the Dolphins, giving our fan base a little more insight ahead of this big matchup tonight. Yeah, of course. Like I said, thanks for having me on. Thanks so much. 
to Marcel for giving us that thorough breakdown. I mean, he was, he was really getting in deep there. So if any Saints fans didn't have a clue as to what the Dolphins do, they definitely do now, and they know what to look for in tonight's game. John, what are some of your keys? You mentioned a little bit about the execution. What are some of the keys that you have for tonight to go in the Saints' favor? Well, defensively, we've seen the Saints have some struggles. Uh, Marcel mentioned the RPO. Uh, we saw the Saints struggle with it tremendously against Philadelphia, struggle with it against Buffalo. Uh, so if they hadn't figured that out, and, of course, they won't have two of their most experienced defenders, then it could be a long night. So that's that's the thing I'm going to be most uh, watching for the Saints, especially defensively. Can they handle that RPO? Because the defense is going to have to – You know, I don't want to say the defense is going to have to win this game – but the defense is going to have to really perform well. And, and as well as they played against Tampa Bay, mm-hmm. I can duplicate that, but they need to be somewhere in that neighborhood. It, it'll be interesting to see, you know, kind of what team shows up for both sides. I'm excited about being back in the Dome, being there with all of the fans. Hopefully everybody comes out and is loud and, of course, wears their black. John, thanks for joining me today. We'll see you later on the pregame and postgame show. And of course, at the Dome.